0: Welcome to the Rethinking Humanity podcast, where we dive deeper into what makes us human and what causes us to thrive. I'm Lacey Delane. Hi, I'm Sonia Larea. And we are excited to have you guys for episode 11. It is November the 1st, and we are in Atlanta, Georgia, for those of you who are not aware. Sonia, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing good. I'm back in Atlanta from my travels. Yeah. I am so happy about that. Okay. I just have to say. Oh I'm my God. Student. Thank you. <laughs>
1: it's yeah. Good. It's You're good, good to be back. It's good to be back. It was fun to be on the road, but it's, uh, you know, living out of the suitcase is a little challenging. So I'm happy.
0: Yay. Well, good. Are you um, feeling comfortable and, you know, kind of getting back into the swing of life in Atlanta?
1: yeah yeah i came back and i voted early i voted on friday um that was awesome um and yeah it was a it was interesting i mean you know i kind of kept in touch with you Lacey, through texts and different things and i was on you know we did a podcast when i was on the road but yeah i found that people are people all over the country i saw beautiful parts of the country everyone was really kind i think we all have the same needs the same yeah. wishes. We all want to be healthy and happy. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of the goal. And we're, that's why we're on this podcast, trying yeah. to get us all
0: together. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think we really are uh, more similar than we are different, you know, do you absolutely. go ahead, go ahead. No,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more.
0: Do you have a favorite moment from, from your trip? I mean, you were gone for um, what two weeks.
1: No, a month. Oh, oh, you were gone for a <laughs> month? Four weeks. Yeah, it went by. Oh, I know. Wow. <laughs> okay. I know. It's crazy. Um, There were so many moments. Like, I tried to really appreciate. Here's what I did. I got to tell you, I haven't even told you this, and Lacey and I talk all the time. Yeah. Seeing some of the beautiful scenery, I did take some pictures, but sometimes I just wanted to enjoy the moment, like be mm. in the moment and not feel like I had to, oh my gosh, I got to take a picture. Got to yeah. take a picture. Yeah. So uh, that was. That was pretty cool. And then I had some interesting conversations. You know, I'm a big book reader, so I went to bookstores. And I love talking to the people there, you know, about the latest book they're reading or their philosophy. So those were some interesting moments. And just, um, yeah, just doing the day-to-day life, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's kind of good to get out of your bubble sometimes. And Well, you know. I'm telling somebody – who wants to travel who loves to travel so
0: that's true that's true well cool I'm so glad that you went and I'm so glad that you're back obviously (laughs) (laughs) and uh uh, and you got to learn what you did I mean it's a good time and it's a good time for you to be back too because yes with COVID COVID is is peaking I know
1: I know and you know I have to say everybody was wearing masks and almost everybody there's some areas not so much but I'm I'm really sad about that yeah that's It's scary. I know that you're worried about it, too.
0: Yeah, I am. I mean, I've been a little concerned really since the spring about what the fall was and winter was going to look like. Um, And from what I've heard and seen online, the numbers are higher than they've ever been. Like this is I think it was Mm -hmm. like the highest was like four thousand cases a day during Mm -hmm. the lockdown. And now we're at like nine thousand or something. I mean, don't quote me on that, but it's, it's much higher than, right. Than right. And so that yeah. part, Yeah. That's a little scary.
1: I know we just, everybody just needs to keep doing what we need to do is the masks, the social distancing, the making good decisions, not gathering, you know, in groups for activities. Um, we yeah. know what we've got to do. So hopefully we're going to get it together. Oh um, yeah,
0: absolutely. There are some, cu- some countries that deserve big time kudos. Two of them are Taiwan and Australia. Both of them have had zero cases in the last five months. And that is a testament to their government, to them valuing what science says and their people following suit with what they're, you know, asking them to do as well. Um, So kudos to them. And I hope that we can, you know, kind of follow Mm -hmm. in their footsteps because, um, I would love to, for us, just like everybody else in the world, to be able to move beyond this. And uh, and so I hope, you know, fingers crossed that that's on the mm-hmm. horizon, you know, for us.
1: Yeah. Speaking of government, we have an election in two days. Yes,
0: yes we do. <laughs> that's kind of exciting. I got to be honest. I've been, yeah. I, I think I've been a little numb about it. <laughs> <For us. laughs> yeah. And now I'm feeling... Actually, I'm feeling excited. Like, obviously, I have no idea what's going to happen. And, you know, everybody has their preferred candidate and who they want and what they want the outcome of the night to be, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Or most people, anyway. I, I myself do. So I'm hopeful for that. But, you know, regardless, it's not the end of the world. Whoever right. wins, right. Um, we will survive. Could things, you know, in each of our opinion be better if one or the other won or didn't win? Of course but I don't think, you know, we're talking about some existential thing here that, you know, it's, we're all going to blow up and die if the other candidate that we don't want, you know, and so, um, yeah, I think that brings some comfort. You know, I think when we, when we really think about it, you know, we're Mm -hmm. very divided the the media likes us to feel divided, um, and to like to foster that, but reality check, we're going to be okay regardless of what happens.
1: Yeah. Hopefully, um, I agree with you. It's important. Everybody get out there and vote. But at the end of the day, we're one, you know, one society that we have to move forward. Mm-hmm. And we yep. gotta, we gotta be in the being mode and we have to care about one another. That's the most important thing.
0: Yes. A hundred percent. You know what else is cool? Uh, today is November 1st. Yesterday was Halloween. Some Woo! people are. Fan of that. <laughs> and then today is Dia de los Muertos, and yes. Sonia and I have this common thread that we have lived in a Latin American country before, also speak Spanish, and have experience with Dia de los Muertos. And I don't know, I just think there's just uh, I love the I love the holiday, so I wanted to mention it. Yeah, Sonia, what's been your experience with it?
1: Um, well, I know of it. Uh, I I don't think I have the intimate experience you do, but I I did hear them talking uh, about an exhibit that they've put up, especially with COVID where they are actually showing because they want to honor these people that have passed. And and unfortunately, a lot of these, you can't be with your loved ones because of, you know, the, the Mm. issue with COVID. And so they're actually having the number of individuals who have passed away. And, uh, it's sad, but at the same time, it is honoring those that, you know, got sick and aren't with us anymore. But I like your story. Tell us about your story in Guatemala. Yeah.
0: You know, so Dia Dia de los Muertos is a a Latin American holiday in which people honor the folks that have passed on in their lives in various different ways, um, which is what you're referring to Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure where you saw that, but it was it's kind of like a mixture of Dia de los Muertos and the COVID cases and the right. folks who pass with COVID honoring them. Mm-hmm. And so as much as like if you think of Dia de los Muertos like Day of the Dead, you might think of like skulls and like what does that mean? It's it's actually really cool. When I lived in Guatemala, I actually lived very close to the cemetery in the neighborhood where I lived. And so on Dia de los Muertos. We did not have school. I was teaching English there, and um, I was like, "I'm just gonna go wander and just see what I can learn about this holiday." And as an American, you know, someone who's grown up in an American culture, I was like, "What a weird thing! People are gonna yeah. hang out in the cemetery? Like that's kind of <laughs> you know what I mean." I mean, I just think people, most Americans would be like, What are you doing? You know? I mean? Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, it was because they w- went into the cemetery as a family. They would bring flowers, they brought drinks, they brought food, and then they just would like go to their gravesite of their family member, mm-hmm. um, hang out together and honor their dead, drink, eat, be together. Um, some of the folks would like brought flowers. I said that already balloons and there were people flying kites too. Oh my god. And I was asking, like, what do you what does this mean to you? And they're saying, you know, the balloons, the kite. It's like saying to our loved ones, hey, we're here. We're thinking of you. We love you. We haven't forgotten about you. We appreciate you. And I'm like, so, damn, this is so
1: cool. What a very cool honor. Very, very so. Cool. Yeah. That that they want to continue to have them in the family. They're still, they're still part of us, you know. Yes, it's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful holiday. Actually, it really is.
0: Yeah, and I love saying it. It's fun to say yeah, <laughs> "día <learning>. <laughs> <laughs> Spanish is a fun language. Okay, I can't help. Yeah, it. yeah. Nice. So uh, Tuesday is going to be an interesting, fun day. We uh, hope you all are safe and uh, taking care on Tuesday. Whatever mm. happens we're here on the other side and everything's gonna be fine um so yeah um and today we are going to finish out chapter six uh, which is um further aspects of having and being Mm -hmm. we have two sections from this it's joy and pleasure and sin and forgiveness Now, being the anti well, anti is probably a drummer (laughs) being the non religious person that I am. (laughs) At first, I was like, Sin and forgiveness, but I'm telling you, this is so cool. You're gonna (laughs) love this. I promise. So good. good. All right. So, we'll start um, over at with joy and pleasure. And before I get into that, I will say to everyone two things we're still having people buy us coffees. Thank you. Um, That's at Buy me a slash Sonia Lorea slash Lacey Delane. That's a sec- separate one. And then slash Victor Ho, our awesome technical producer. We could not do this without him. We would not be here without him. Thank you, Victor Ho. Buy yep. Victor coffee, please. <laughs> Buy the coffee. <laughs> anyway, um, so thank you uh, to Cheryl and Steve who bought us a coffee. And I believe, oh, John Vass, who I was on his podcast. Um, earlier this year, he bought a coffee for us. For wow. Me. Cool. Yeah. So that's cool. So thank you guys for buying us a coffee. And then lastly, please follow us on Instagram. We're keeping it up to date a couple times a day. Well, as much as we can, but I'm having fun with it. Sonia posts, Victor yeah. posts, so it's at rethinking humanity on Instagram. Check us out. Um, check us out there. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll love to see you there.
1: And do you want to tell everybody what's happening Friday?
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Tell everybody what's happening. Do you want to tell?
1: Um, Well, we are doing a special episode with our philosophy people.
0: Yes. It's going to be
1: really cool. I hope everybody tunes in.
0: Yes. Actually, I'm so glad you said that, Tonya. I want to tell (laughs) everyone to check our Instagram page because – we have we have posted about this, and there's a link to the talk that Eric Frome gave on human rights and the automaton citizen. That's what we're going to be discussing with three folks from uh, the Atlanta Spark Social Meetup group. It's a philosophy meetup group, and um, so these are some really intelligent folks, and we love them. And oh yeah, so this is so going to be excited. a rethinking- yes. We're there's going to be a rethinking <laughs> humanity interviews live Friday night. So don't miss it. Don't yeah. miss it. It's going to be awesome. Sweet. All right. Let's <laughs> jump in. Uh, Sonia, do you have anything, Well, what is it that kind of jumps out to you when we talk about the section on joy and pleasure um, and, you know, the whole, the whole like idea behind the comparison of the two?
1: What jumps out at me um, that you and I spoke about earlier is I I really related to pleasure, which I think most people will, because I think of hedonistic pleasures, eating, drinking, earning money, winning the lottery, you know, all the things we think of buying shopping, but joy is a little bit more of a challenge to, uh, to define at least Mm -hmm. for me. And Mm -hmm. I think in, in what from talks about, and I know you're going to get into it is, is more coming into oneself, like, coming, it's, it's actually, there's multiple definitions. So I'm going to let you take it away.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, No, <laughs> and you're right. it is coming into oneself. You know, I think he he opens this section by, you know, saying, Hey, it's really easy to read when you see the word joy to think of it as pleasure, like to mistake the two. Mm-hmm. And he said, it's because we live in, in a society that that's basically what we are the only way we enjoy is via pleasure. Sure. And so he says, but the distinction between joy and pleasure is actually crucial. And it's particularly so in reference to surprise, surprise, the distinction between the being and the happy modes. And you might be able to guess which one is which, you know? so <laughs> yes. before we get too far in this, I want to challenge you listeners. I want to ask you some questions really quick and let you kind of reflect because as i was was going through this section i was like hmm i want to really before we get into it help you all think about how you might define the differences between the two or define the two and feel the differences so i would i want want to challenge you to think of a time when you felt pleasure and what that was like and then Comparatively, I want you to think of a time when you felt joy. And if you can think in your mind, kind of what are the differences in what you felt and maybe even how you felt afterwards? Okay, one. Sonia, any thoughts on that initially? You know? Um, what, what
1: uh, Well, like I I was thinking about it earlier, and I mentioned this to you, Lacey, that I don't know that I've had a lot of experiences of joy or that I can point to. Mm -hmm. I I kind of have a few that I've thought about. But um, the the comment that I was going to make, too, that you've touched upon is I think because we have this lack of joy, we're always seeking those Mm -hmm. pleasures. It's yeah. we're, we're, we're we're um running towards that joy. well, if I do this, if I get this, if I you know it's again the having, um, that we're gonna right. get to that place of joy, which that's really not what joy is. Um, I think joy comes from a, a sort of evolved like like you know who you are and and how can I put this? I think it comes from a selfless place mm. and mm. and that's something that that that's what comes up for me. Okay, Um, And I I do believe I'm sure that people can think of moments in their life. And I think they're moments, you know, when you when that strikes you, that joy. Mm -hmm. Um, So specifically, I'm going to have to ponder that.
0: Yeah, no. And that's, you know, that's what I want us to do just to think about it. I mean, I was trying to to brainstorm myself and I okay, when is a time that I felt pleasure Okay, so there was this one time that I made out with this guy and it was raining and we were outside and it was awesome. Okay, that was <laughs> pleasureful. I mean, obviously, the word pleasure has this overly sexual connotation anyway, so it's very easy to go there. I mm-hmm. think you think about that word, but you know, also like when I drink my oat milk lattes, it mm-hmm. gives me that pleasure. pleasure. <laughs> okay, and guess what? It ends. You know, that at some point that pleasure ends and then I have to go find it again. Yeah,
1: right? exactly. You exactly.
0: know, so, yes. but then I think about joy too. And I'm like, okay, so I'm like you, Sonia. I don't know that there's a lot of time in my life that I felt a like joy and a sustained joy. It's like a sustained happiness over time. I think that there have been recently but only recently in my life and i think that those times have happened or have come to pass because there are times when i knew that i was working towards a goal of like self-awareness and growth emotional growth and well-being and i i had the tools and i had the support and i had you know the things that i needed in my life to enable me to, to, to be there. And so it, mm-hmm. it brought about uh, like the sustained uh, sit, the sustained element or level of just peace and happiness. And, you know, I mean, I think about before I started on the campaign, you know, I um, was enjoying my job as a nanny full time. I was working out at the gym. Um, I was, very committed to my workout regimen and playing mm-hmm. soccer a couple times a week. And I found joy in the fact that I was at point A mm-hmm. and in my workout journey, let's just call it. And I was headed towards the goal of lifelong health, you know, staying mm-hmm. young healthy as long as po- possible. But I didn't find joy. I, I didn't find happiness in like every day checking to see if I've lost weight or something. I found joy in the process, in the fact that I was doing something that was good for me in the long term. Does that make sense? Sure. Sure. Something that was sustaining. Yes. And, And similarly with my finances, similarly with paying off debt or saving money during that time. And so I think, you know, and it points to what Fromm says um, about what joy is he he closes up this section by saying joy then is what we experience in the process of growing nearer to the goal of becoming ourself and so that you know the goal of becoming myself is self-awareness the um, health you know mo- emotional health health and so I think I, I think I really have experienced that but i also think it says a lot that it's kind of hard. And it was only until recently until I could point to joy in my life lasting. I think that says a lot, don't you?
1: Yeah, that's interesting. When you were talking, I also thought of something that, um, that I didn't think about earlier is that I think also there's moments of joy when you're a child because children don't have, we're not mm. um, polluted with the same expectations. And you're, and, there, and you can be in the moment, you know, can be that moment of, you know, see, finding something outside in nature or climbing a tree or laughing. And I yeah. think a lot of those moments get lost as we uh, evolve into society and with the expectations and the roles that we have to do. And so that that joyfulness that accompanies mm-hmm. us, you know, when we're potentially younger can Something to to try to get back as you're, you know, as you're going through life, and and one of the things you're talking about is great because you are in that growing experience as you're describing mm-hmm. that is bringing you nearer to yourself.
0: Yes, and I think that would be very much what Fromm would say is the goal for each person to you know give birth to himself. He said those exact words. You know, Sonia, you said something earlier to me as we were discussing this section. You said, I feel like joy, though, also is something that is shared. It's something that, yes, you know, yeah, it's not yeah. just something that one person right. experiences on their own. What did you say about that? That oh, was yeah. so-
1: I'm gonna tell you that. And I just thought of something too, that is said in this chapter where he says, joy is the fruit of giving up having, while sadness is the mood of one who hangs on to possessions. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Um, No, I I tried to remember a time. And when we were talking, I remembered when I was in college, I uh, had a boyfriend and I remember that it's so odd because you wouldn't think of relationships in this case. I remember it was at the holiday and I went to give him this small gift, but I remember feeling this incredible joy to give the gift mm. with no expectation of receipt. Of, he didn't have a gift for me, which I didn't care. I literally yeah. did not care. It was just in that sharing in that moment of giving, yeah. I remember feeling this incredible, it was, it was awesome. Like it didn't matter. Like I wasn't, I, there were no expectations is the way, best way I can put it. I just was yeah. so excited to give. Yeah. So for me, that was like a sharing of, of pure, it was pure like emanating from me, from my being, just a desire to mm. make, to, to give. And it's not so much the material thing, but to just, you know, be with this other person and in, in, in that
0: moment. Yeah. But it's a rare yeah. moment that I felt that way. It's amazing. It's the act of loving, basically of giving, yeah, you know, to that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, mean, and I think too, you know, um, I think it says a lot about who we are as, as human beings as a species, if in the, in the idea that joy is not something that one experiences, generally speaking alone, because we are very interdependent as a species Mm -hmm. and you know, whenever I'm like happy about something, I don't want to just keep it to myself. Generally speaking, I like, I got to tell somebody this is so cool. Right.
1: Right. I think you're right. It's definitely is, is about the sharing and about, you know, being part of the collective, not just us as an individual.
0: Yeah. You know, I mean, I think joy is something that fades slowly but lingers long, and and maybe it's less intense than pleasure, and pleasure ends more abruptly. And obviously, is, is much more intense. You know, um, mm-hmm. that's kind of you know the way I think about it, and
1: I don't know. Yeah, I that's, that's- Yeah. And I love the idea of not holding on to something because if you think about it, we know that everything is temporary, right? Like we, there's nothing you have, like you have flowers, they're going to die. They're going Mm -hmm. to go back to the earth. Um, meaning, you know, you enjoy the bloom, but then there's that death, you Mm -hmm. know, of the flower, like that moment, you're not going to hold onto that forever. Right.
0: Right. And so
1: I think I I love the idea that if you're grasping onto something, you can't really experience
0: the Mm -hmm. joy because
1: you're so much about the having.
0: Yes. Instead of just being. Love that. That's so true. Oh, so <laughs> good. So good. Um, so in this section two, he talks about Master Eckhart, which we've talked about um, before and how um, Master Eckhart sees um, a- aliveness and pleasure and joy. Um, and so he taught that aliveness is, conducive to joy and you know it it makes me think of that of the song that's it's a sia song it's called the greatest and she says you know the greatest i'm going to be the greatest the greatest alive and i think about that song and i'm like okay so the way for me to be the greatest is Mm -hmm. just me being alive you know and from talks about you know when you're when you're alive, it's not that you're always happy. We talked about the this, way. I think, on the last episode. It's just that you're responding. You know, you're just yeah, yeah. you're you're responding. If that means that you're sad sometimes, you're yeah. depressed, that's called being a human being, and that's okay. And I I just think of that song and I'm like, that's it, it encourages me to think that way, to live that way. Like joy is a part of just being alive and feeling alive. Yeah,
1: it's part of, yeah, absolutely right. It's part of being alive mm-hmm. and it's, yeah, it's the mood that accompanies what you've talked about being. Yeah. It's, it's the glow they talk about that accompanies being. Um, yeah. I love that. Yeah.
0: He says too that pleasure is uh, defined as the satisfaction of a desire that does not require activity in the sense of aliveness to be satisfied so, you know, and he also mentions that, that that can be like high intensity, you know, the social success, getting mm-hmm. more money, winning the lottery, blah, blah, blah. So it's I think it's like you said, very easy for us to think of examples of that. But I love the caveat here in the sense of aliveness, because, I mean, I think you can feel pleasure, but you can maybe not be fully present, even while you're doing it. Does that make right. sense? Yeah, and and I
1: think that he there's a part that they discussed here, which I think is really good. Um, let me see if I can find it.
0: Mm-hmm. Joy,
1: I'll tell you because you said pleasure. joy in sex is experienced only when physical intimacy is at the same time the intimate is at the same time the intimacy of loving.
0: Yes. And
1: that's awesome because obviously we know that you could just have the pleasure. Which right necessarily
0: having joy correct <laughs> you know correct which you know uh you know we we i don't know how <laughs> common it is that people have joy that. i mean <laughs> yeah. i want them to joy instead
1: it's probably not yeah. as common as it yeah. could be
0: <laughs> i would love <laughs> that it is. that it was but i don't know that it is you know and so he also says that um you know, in order, uh, oh, oh sorry, this is not what I wanted to say, but they may have reached uh, the state of people have may have reached a state of like feeling a peak, an achievement mm-hmm. um, by being, you know, basically pathological, you know, right right. Um, but the passions that are driving them, the pleasures, are not leading to a great, leading them to greater human growth and strength, but on the contrary, crippling. Mm-hmm. So crippling, and so basically, he's saying the reality is that when we seek pleasure, it actually does not cause um, our well-being. It doesn't cause well-being. It causes yeah. more strain actually on us as human beings.
1: Yeah, I think it's like, again what we talked about earlier. Chasing that, chasing that pleasure, the, the the hedonism is you're constantly chasing that. And I think if anything, that brings you down, because when you're yeah. not at that high, then you got to keep going. That compulsion, you got to keep looking for the the next thing, the next thing. And I don't think you're feeling all the emotions you need to feel. Like you said, there mm-hmm. could be, there could be sadness. There can be, you know, struggles. But part of that is, is just being alive. And then it allows you to feel the joy. Yes. If you're constantly seeking that pleasure, you're, right. you're, really beco- you're really becoming numb
0: yes. to,
1: to life, you know?
0: Yes. I mean, he, he says the pleasures of radical hedonists, the satisfaction of ever new cupidities, the pleasures of contemporary society produce different degrees of excitement, but they are not conducive to joy. In fact, the lack of joy, you've said, you said this earlier, makes it necessary to seek ever new, ever more exciting pleasures. Mm -hmm. So the way that it's set up is that we keep chasing after this elusive thing, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, it's going to bring us joy, but it's, it's, it's actually causing us to kind of just keep chasing our tails.
1: Sure. It's short lived, you know, absolutely.
0: And so then on the contrary, you know, um, he says joy. This is a, a, a cool word. I like it. I, I hope I'm saying it right. Joy is the concomit, concomitant. Ah, I can't say You got it. You got it. Concomitant. That's mm-hmm. it. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know why I got so tongue tied. Joy is the concomitant of productive activity. And that just means it's a naturally occurring phenomenon. Uh, that accompanies or follows something. So joy naturally comes out of a of productive activity. Now, let me ask this question. How many of you, when you get to to work and while you're at work for every second and when you get off of work, feel joy? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I didn't think so. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so uh, obviously we've had conversations about what productive activity is and sure. there's a very big difference between what we call it in society and what it really is. Um, uh, but so yes, uh, joy he says is the glow that accompanies being mm-hmm. and, a, and really productive. The point of that is really productive activity actually produces joy.
1: Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is something for people to really, sit there and ponder, think about. Right.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I guess the last thing I would say on this is that, you know, Spinoza, Spinoza, I'm reading mm-hmm. another book on Spinoza right now. Spinoza is just awesome. But Spinoza says uh, that joy is that is man's passage from a lesser to a greater perfection. Yeah. I think that's cool. Yeah. I, I love that. Cool. All right. Cool. Sin yeah.
1: and forgiveness. Let's okay. So the next section is called Sin and Forgiveness. And I'm sure the audience, everyone has their idea of what they believe sin is and forgiveness because we've, most of us are living in the Western world where we've been exposed to the Christian uh, traditions. So what I love about this part is it really, he there's just so much depth in this section. One is yeah. that, um, I would say that the way from defined sin is identical with disobedience toward the will of God. That's what, that's kind of the the lesson that we've all learned that when you disobey God, but what I think is is interesting is how he brings the whole idea of sin back to even the state. He talks about it in a secular way and also a religious way. So if Mm. you think about the church having like a social order, it's sort of similar to capitalism because it requires that individuals follow obedience. There's an obedience. And hmm. people have had to learn to fear or they've learned to fear authority and they've internalized this fear to transform obedience into a moral and religious category. Yeah. So it's it's even a subconscious that we're we we do we're unaware of that. But that's kind of the society. Does that make sense to you that we've yeah. been in?
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like it's like the church and state worked hand in hand to accomplish their goals. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Control, basically, which is a sad thing, but it's just reality. And it's true. You know, sure,
1: sure. Yeah. The church needed the believers whom the states trained in Mm. virtues of disobedience. And they use the example of the family. Like when you have the child, you break the will of the child to follow the obedient parent. So it's this parent-child, you know, relationship that you need to follow to to in order for that mm. child to grow up and function as a citizen of the state that needs to obey. Right. So because if,
0: Yeah, if you're going to be in the society, you have to be able to obey the authority, basically. And right. so it's not only this external thing that we learn, but we internalize it to where we feel guilty if we don't follow authority, you know? Yes, And that was mind blowing to me. The first time I read that, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I can relate to that (laughs) because I spent several years in church. And so, you know, like it just, it was mind boggling. And um, for in that mode uh, and that way of approach, he says that our human center does not lie within ourselves. But in the authority to which we submit, oh, yeah. we do not arrive in that mode. We do not arrive at well-being by our own productive activity, but by passive obedience to the to the ensuing um, authority and the approval from them. So, with that, that's how we feel like we have arrived at some type of a well-being. Right,
1: you know the comment you made what I love and and we don't need to get into politics but I'll give you an example just you could have any leader but what happens is you have a leader that you have faith in and we give that's where our security comes from and we submit to that and it doesn't have to be conscious it's like a subconscious thing but we live in that having mode of society, where it says to the degree that we internalize the authoritarian structure of society. We're not even aware, but we're giving our power. We become a nobody yes. because we're
0: following that. Yes, leader. yes, oh, sorry, I'm excited.
1: So the other thing I love is there's, from quotes, a lot of fabulous people in this part of the chapter that everybody should read, but Thomas Aquinas is one, a theologian that he quotes that says sin is, I love this, sin is the violation of human well-being. Mm. I absolutely love that. I love and that and
0: too.
1: They give the example, like you're in this vicious cycle, you have sin, which is your disobedience, then you have guilt, then you have punishment, then you have forgiveness and redemption, and the circle starts again and again. That's, that's what we kind of go through. And that's, that's in the being mode, by the way. You and the having mode. I mean, the having, I'm sorry, you're right, (laughs) the Mm -hmm. having, Um, but what I, this is another cool part of this, is they talk about, um, in case most people, everybody's going to know the story of Adam and Eve, the fall, right, Yeah, Um, that's just like a classic, irrelevant, uh, if you're religious or not, you're going to know that story, so in the story, in the biblical story of the fall, Adam and Eve were naked and not ashamed, why were they naked and not ashamed, they cannot feel ashamed because they did not experience each other as strangers, but that they experienced each other as one. They weren't separate. Yeah. Where that story messes up is when they realize they're separate.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: That, yeah. So, I mean, you know the story, right? And so, right. what I love about this, they talk about how when they face each other as separate human beings and they're isolated and they're selfish. And then this pain of being separate, which they define in theology as hell, which is unbearable for us. I absolutely love that definition because I think that's really very truthful that when we're separate as human beings, that's when we suffer.
0: Yes. Love it. You know? Yes, I think it's very interesting um, how you can look at the story of Adam and Eve in two different ways. And he talks about that in the section, as you just did either, you know, in the having from the having mode lens, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, the the disobedience to God's command. And then this, thus the punishment because of sin, the the wrongdoing, the disobedience, and then this way of looking at it, which is um, basically the, the fact that the two are separate and separate from each other and that being a hell in itself. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, in the being mode of existence, the way we look at sin and forgiveness, or really it's sin is the sin is the fact that we're disconnected from each other. We weren't able to be together. And it's, it's this, estrangement that we have with each other that has not been resolved right and uncovered or i'm sorry it's overcome by you know unfolding of reason and love and by coming together and wanting ourselves with others right in the having mode it's like you said earlier the the vicious cycle it's overcome by repentance feeling guilty saying sorry and doing it all over again right which I don't know where you get at, exactly in you know, that exactly. mode. But anyway, but in the being mode, the non-authoritarian structure, it's like, hey, you're you're estranged from each other. You're, you know, and you don't want to be. Bring one right. yourself together again. And then you can you can get over this sin. Right. Basically. Right. Um
1: this, this is the line that I want to read you that I just absolutely love. It says, they feel the deepest shame there is. The shame of facing a fellow being nakedly, in quotes, and simultaneously experiencing the mutual strangement, the mm-hmm. unspeakable abyss, which I love that, the unspeakable abyss that separates each from the other. Ooh, See, that, that. that that's super powerful. Um, and you're absolutely right. That's what we're trying to, you know, we're trying to, that, that is our, that's the sin, that's the hell. And then the way only way to save ourselves from this hell is to leave the prison of our egocentricity, to reach Mm. out and to one ourselves with the world. If egocentric separateness is the cardinal sin, then the sin is atoned in the act of loving. And I absolutely love this because the word atonement means at one.
0: Yes. You know,
1: that that is so cool. Absolutely.
0: so cool. And to think, all of the manipulation and guilt that has been used by religion in the past of like you're horrible you need to repent blah blah blah, you're terrible and really it's like hey yo we just we're just we just want to be one with each other let's fix that how do we do that we just want ourselves with each other and we love each other and that's it there's no need for punishment and hell and you know guilt and manipulation and shame and all that stuff that's not necessary we just Dude, like, let's don't be and separate it, anymore, okay? okay.
1: And, 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 and if we think about it, why is that? It's because, as we talked about earlier, the state, this is a way that you have control over individuals. You have this cycle that is repeated over and over again. Yeah. And this, this separateness that we've um, lived through, and people, I think, internally know that that's a painful thing, but I don't think we have, like you're saying, the self-awareness. Yeah. To, to work towards where we need to be. Mm-hmm. And that's, what's so powerful about Fromm's message when he talks about the being and the having. Yeah. He he really hits the nail on the head with this. Yeah.
0: I love, I think these two sections, honestly, of this chapter, I don't know. I maybe said that in another episode, but <laughs> gosh, these two sections are so, so, so powerful. And I especially love him talking about how the state and church work together, the conditioning of us as citizens in the society. I know that's so negative and sounds like so bad, but we got to face reality of problems before we can fix them. You know what I'm saying? You have
1: to identify absolutely what, you know, the world, what we're living in and why and how we've gotten to this place. Um, The other part that there's a quote here with Thomas Aquinas that I absolutely love. It says, as work of restitution, the fact of mm-hmm. salvation appears necessary as the regaining of the lost oneness, as the restitution of the supernatural oneness with God. And at the same time, the oneness of men among each other. Ooh. That, that is so it, it, it actually is completely mm-hmm. opposite from the message
0: I think we've heard typically through religion. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> Isn't that the truth and the values of our society, which are individualism, you know, be independent, do it on your own. And there is something different that's so valuable about really being able to truly be um, your authentic self and share that with someone else. You know, that reminds me of a little definition that I wrote in here. Oh, that I wanted to share. This is cool. So, as I was reading through that section and just kind of making notes, I was like, hmm, how would I define aliveness? Mm-hmm. And my definition of it would be when you are genuinely, openly, fearlessly relating to others and yourself. Beautiful. Love yeah, it. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> Fearlessly because, look, you're not going to like some of the shit that you see. (laughs) You're not going to like it that you realize, oh, I feel depressed right now. But you're fearlessly facing these things about yourself and and others and you're relating. And you're like, you know what, Sonia? I don't want to admit to you that, you know, I whatever I did to my friend the other day that was horrible. But I'm telling you because I'm going to fearlessly be honest about who I am with you. And that's when I'm fully alive.
1: I agree. No, that's that. That's a perfect definition. I love it. Absolutely love it. Um, I have to tell you, you gotta, this is another part that I didn't bring up, but I think it kind of ties this all in. It says, since the sin of separateness is not an act of disobedience, it does not need to be forgiven, mm. but it does need to be healed. And love, not acceptance of punishment is the healing factor. Is that perfect?
0: Come on. <laughs> Come on. And you said hell is not some place, you know, yeah. he speaks of this in the chapter. Hell is not some place where you are punished forever. Cause you're a horrible yeah. person. No, it's, it's, it's being separate from each being other. Separate. Being separate. Yes.
1: That's, and that's, that's what, you know, that we talk about a lot here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's that separateness is very, know. very, very powerful. I mean, this is something you could just keep going on and on and dig deep into.
0: Guys, um, you got to read Eric from. It. I know. I mean, I hope we do a good job of presenting it, but there's so much more here that you can gain oh, if you sure. it yourself, you know? Right. So do it, please. Um, right,
1: and he quotes so many people that you could even go and look at their, you know, at their works because he does quote other um, wonderful authors and theologians. So yeah. I highly recommend looking at it.
0: Yes, 100%, guys. I think you will not be disappointed um, if you do. So please, please do. Wow, that was good. I, I You know, the next section of this book, Sonia, mm-hmm. is, it's part three. It's called The New Man and the New Society. Don't freak out, people. We're not talking about some crazy shit. Just relax. <laughs> but he talks about basically solutions how can we solve the problem of uh living in a society that is so driven by the having mode and so we're transitioning to a little bit of a different section and as we go into um, our next few episodes which is exciting but um this has been man this section i'm sorry so the last three episodes have been, Man, such good stuff.
1: Oh, yeah. It's it's really... And I'm excited to get into the next part, too, because he's just phenomenal. What can I say? I know. I know. I, I know, Lacey, you want to date him, but... I would <laughs> love to do that
0: Can he just please reincarnate <laughs> as someone else? Or come back to life and be my age, please. <laughs> no. Um, no, we were actually, you know, going back to the hell thing as we close up, and um, you know, I think we had talked about this, Sonia, about I said, I just think it makes perfect sense. Or maybe you were on the road. I don't know. But I th- I said, it just makes sense to me that if God is this forgiving being, mm-hmm. that we would be reincarnated, like reincarnation. Oh, I was telling Dana this, that reincarnation makes sense. And, mm-hmm. you know, she said that that's actually was a um, theology or something that they believed in Christianity long time ago. Okay. Um, But all that to say, I I think the forgiving, loving God that many people speak of, it would make sense that something like reincarnation would make sense in the eyes of the way that they bill and present God. Um, So, you know, interesting. I'm just throwing that out there because I I thought that, that was who I talked about. That with but it wasn't. Well, I will
1: tell you, um, and we don't have to get into the because I know we're finishing up to religion. But I will tell you what um, resonates with me that he talks about is I think in in our world we tend to see God as a separate thing, and I think when Fromm talks about the concept of it and the concept of the human being is you're one, you know this you're one. It's not this separateness, and that I can relate to like with nature with yeah. human beings, it, it makes a lot more sense instead of sort of this, you know, figure head. Yeah. Of, of, wh- of which he, you know, says he's against of us following a leader. So that, that aspect of his um, thinking, I really, it resonates with me, so. But anyway, read from, he's awesome. <laughs> yeah,
0: agreed. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, it's been fun. I think this has been really fun. I hope you guys have had fun. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Rethinking Humanity. Uh, Follow Sonia also on Instagram at Larea Sonia. You can follow me too. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And Victor, of course. But just buy Victor a coffee, please. Buy me a (laughs) coffee.com slash Victor Ho. Just buy him a coffee. And Kids
1: tune in cool. on
0: Friday. It's going to yes. be so cool. Live on YouTube Friday at 8.30 Eastern Time. We will be talking about Fromm's uh, talk on human rights and the automaton citizen. Join us. And you guys stay safe. Stay calm. No matter whether your candidate wins or not on Tuesday. Everything's going to be all right. All right. And wear a mask. <laughs> yeah. Wear a mask. <laughs> Peace out, guys.